podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yeah, really special. I think uh, it's got a nice ring to it, getting the 600th test wicket from the James Anderson end as well. You know, something pretty special about that. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. Well, we've had a break after the third test, but the Ashes are happening again. It's the fourth test of the men's Ashes, and this is our report from day one of Old Trafford. I'm Menas, not so mad today after a good day's batting from Australia. I'm joined by Cricket Australia commentator and host of the Red V podcast, who's on the same network as Cricket Unfiltered, Jack Clifton. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, doing well, Manus. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, dissecting what what happened last night in day one. Yeah, we'll get into the minutiae of the action, but just sort of stepping back, uh, the score-wise, Australia finished eight for 299 after being sent into bat by Ben Stokes. Half centuries to uh, Manus, Labashane and Mitchell Marsh. Uh, Chris Wokes took four for 52 for England, probably the pick of the bowlers. Stuart Broad, two for 68, including his 600th test of wicket. Now, now Jack, I was watching this through the wee hours of a very cold mm. night in Sydney and got extremely frustrated with the Australian batting because the team, the, the top order got off to a number of starts. You had Warner, 32, Labashane, 51, Smith, 41, Head, 48, Mitchell Martin, 51 Cameron Green 16 Carey 20 but none of them went on to make a big score that would take the game away from England yeah when you look through that batting scorecard the only only player that didn't get a start was Kawaja who was dismissed uh, early in the in the start of the first innings for three so oh, incredibly frustrating if you're an Australian fan and I'm sure Andrew McDonald and the coaching staff and the players when they've had a meeting after stumps or when they have a meeting prior to uh, day two starting um, later tonight, Australian time, then that's going to be, that's going to be the focus. Unfortunately, when you're playing at the top tier of international cricket, you you can't be having three or four players that are getting to 30, 40, 50. Um, you could probably argue some of those dismissals a little bit unlucky. The Alex Carey one was, um, yeah, was unfortunate late in the day. Um, but when you look kind of midway through that second session, men as we're Australia, were re- had really kind of wrestled control back from back from England. They were three for one eighty odd to to find themselves at eight for three hundred. Basically, at the the end of the day, would have been disappointing for them. I'm sure if you went to Pat Cummins and Andrew McDonald prior to the toss and and gave them eight for three hundred at stumps on day one after being sent in, they probably would have taken it. But um, in the hindsight of of what kind of transpired over the first four or five hours of that first day, it was it was disappointing. Uh, some of the some of the dismissals, especially the head one, um, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later. Mm. But yeah, disappointing they didn't didn't push on and and find themselves at least only six down for kind of three twenty or three thirty, which is a position that they would have felt a lot more comfortable in. Now they they've got to hope that that Cummins and Stark can stick around for that first tricky thirty to forty minutes tonight, and hope they can creep that score up towards somewhere near three fifty. Yeah, definitely. And we'll really see when England bats how good this first inning score. But you're right. We'll get into the dismissals, but some lazy dismissals in there. Um, you know, going back to the team selection. So, you know, the start before the test, um, you know, two days before England announced James Anderson would we would be replacing Ollie Robinson. Um, so James Anderson came in, could be his last test match at his home ground, Old Trafford. I think his hundred and eighty something test match. So mm. a phenomenal um stat. 
stamina, but so he comes back in and I actually don't think he looked that effective on the first day. And he's looked pretty, he's, he's actually looked his age this whole mm. series. He's looked tired um, and, and that's understandable. He's had a wonderful career and a great bowler, especially in English conditions. Um, he wasn't awful. Um, I think no. he held his. I think he held his own last night for for England. Um, but he. But he, yeah. I, I think you summed it up perfectly. I think he's. He looks fatigued. He he looks mentally and physically uh, fatigued, and he's played a lot of cricket. Um, I think they would they would have been hoping the English that he came back a bit more refreshed. But I think when you played so much cricket, I think the mental aspect of of getting up for a Test match can be hard. Um, it's it's all it's all good and well for us to kind of sit here and, and analyze, but we know when we've commented the Sheffield Shield together in, in Sydney, man, is how difficult it is for the young players that come into that system having to back up and play four consecutive days when they've only been used to playing grade cricket where they've only had to back up one or two days maximum. And, and it's like that in, in test cricket, except it's an extra day and, and the intensity's dialed up even more. So it's, it's not surprising to see him a, a little bit fatigued. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. He's looked a bit short of intensity as well, and he hasn't mm. actually, you know, looked like the James Anderson of old to me that, you know, is grumpy and really into the contest. Mm. And I think you're right. Could be the mental thing. Um, so, yeah, he just hasn't looked out of it. And um, mm. Australia's team selection, now they pulled some big changes. Um, so Josh Hazelwood came in for Scott Boland. I'm really happy with that. I think mm. we missed Hazelwood in the last test match. And interestingly, after the last test match, Hazelwood's been interviewed and said he was pushing to play in the third test. And yeah. McDonald was like, no, 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 we want to rest you. And as much as I think, okay, it's hard to manage fast bowlers fitness. If you actually look back at that third test, we actually really missed Josh Hazelwood. Yeah, I think he's a big inclusion for the Australians. Um, I think I said the last time I was on Menace, no, no fast bowler or no bowler is going to put up their hand and say, "Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to sit out this game. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. happy to happy to rest." Um, so yeah, that like I, I like that from Josh Hazelwood. I like hearing those kinds of things. You want you want your players to want to be involved in in every Test match, and yeah, he, I think he gives. Australia a bit more bite, especially if the ball does move around in the first ten to fifteen overs. Assuming that he um, he takes the new ball, or even if he if it comes on at first change, I think there's going to be enough uh, um, out, out of the new ball with that high seam for him to get a bit of movement. And he's the kind of bowler um, that that can snatch two or three wickets early and can really change the complexity of the game. So I think that's a that's a good choice, and I'm sure you'll go on and talk about the exclusion of Todd Murphy as well, Manners. And also the other thing about Josh Hazelwood is he's become such a good T20 bowler that if the England batters go hard at him, he can put use some of his variations that he uses when he plays in the IPL. So I and I think on that last day when England chased that score down, we really missed Hazelwood in the in the mm. Headingley test. And you're right. So Todd Murphy not picked in this match. Australia have gone for two all rounders. So Cameron Green came in at number seven. And um, I put out a tweet saying that I thought leaving Todd Murphy out had a whiff of fear about it because I think that traditionally Old Trafford can turn and the spinners can get some purchase and that if mm. Australia is really serious about winning this match, that you might need a spinner on that fourth or fifth day to to take 10 wickets to bowl England out. And I thought it was a, a defensive move to leave out Murphy. You know, some of the retorts that have come my way have been that, you know, it's going to rain and um, Cummins doesn't have faith in Murphy. But, but where do you sit on it? 
I, I don't hate the the selection with 11, the 11 there they've trotted out. I think they've tried to add a little bit more depth in the batting. I think if if we're talking about fear, I, I think the only fear that the Australians have is probably making sure they get enough runs. So, and I think we saw that last night. I know Cameron Green only got 16, but he hung around with Mitch Marsh for a while and, I guess a, a completely different discussion that needs to be had in, in the future, especially as we head into the Australian home summer is, yeah, what do Australia do with, with Mitch Marsh? He hit a, a runner ball century last test. He hit a really nice 50 that uh, unfortunately wasn't able to go on a, um, as much as it pains me to say, a great catch by Johnny Bairstow behind mm-hmm. the stumps. But um, there's there's a separate discussion to have between having those two around us. I, I don't hate it. Um, I'm sure if we, we, we will look back in three or four days and, Australia could get belted by 10 wickets or by 150 runs or something. And, and, and we, we, we look back and, and think that, well, Todd Murphy should have got that opportunity to play. Um, I, I don't hate it. I think it probably shows the faith in the fast bowlers, but I do understand the direction that you're coming from Menace. Cause I think it, uh, it probably makes the Australian tackle a little bit too one dimensional. And mm. I know people were probably retorting to you last night on Twitter about, Oh, there's Labashane and Smith and head. And that's fair enough. And I think they're decent stopgap options, but they're not frontline spinners. I'm happy with the, with the decision, but I would not be surprised if it does turn around and, and bite Australia in the backside are uh, kind of coming into day four and day five, assuming that the test goes that length. Yeah. And, and look a bit like you, I don't hate the selection. Like I'm, I'm just not a fan of going in without a frontline spinner because it's a one-dimensional attack. And, you know, if you're looking to take wickets on on a slow pitch that where there's not mm. a lot, lot of life for the seamers, then spin gives you good option. But I guess if Cummins doesn't have faith in him and doesn't think he wants to use Murphy too much, then there's no point mm. picking him. And it will the proof will be in the pudding at the end of this test match. Yeah. If Australia get a draw or a win and retain the Ashes, then it's job done. Um, but I know, think, yeah, it's got I think the, Murphy's confidence yeah. around as well. Yeah, and I think the irony is that the, the, the attack they've come in with this test is probably the attack they could have used in the previous test, where there perhaps was a little bit more assistance uh, from the pitch for the fast bowlers, for those seeming and swinging bowlers that Australia have um, in, in their arsenal. Um, but they 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 went with Todd Murphy, um, and it's been it's been diff- like a difficult um, time for for Todd as well. You, you you think back to that Indian series; it was kind of thrown into the fray there and did quite well and and held his head high. And then he's I think he was saying in the press conference before the third test that he was planning a trip to to Paris as as part of that that squad, not thinking that he had to play. And now he was thrust into the limelight as the, the number one spin bowler and now he's been dropped. So yeah, hopefully um, he's doing all right and, and he can, he can bounce back from this, but I guess that's the, as, as a coach for, for Andrew McDonald and as a, a skipper and, and captain for Pat Cummins, these are decisions that, that can, can win you or lose you test matches can win you and lose your series. So you live by the sword, you've got to die by the sword. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires over these next few days, minutes. And it's just a dangerous mindset for me. If Australia are thinking we just need a draw and we keep the ashes, that's, I guess, my concern. I just hope mm. that their first priority is let's win this match because that's how Australians played their best mm. cricket. And, uh, the last time Australia didn't pick a recognised spinner was 2009 at the Oval Test and Australia lost that match and coughed up the ashes. It was a horrific day. I remember Stuart Broad destroyed our batting mm. lineup. Um, I was actually in England watching it. It was no good at all. So no. <laughs> um, that was the last time we didn't pick a spinner. So, look, let's wait. If Australia lose this Test match because they can't take wickets on the, the fourth or fifth day, then I'm going to mm. frigging hammer them. Yeah, um, Mad Menace will come out again.
exactly. Um, all right, let's just go into a bit of detail about the day's play. So, uh, as I said, Stokes won the toss, then Australia in. Pat Cummins said he would have bowled first, so yeah. they could have actually – well, actually, no, they couldn't have. Uh, it was a yeah. So they both wanted first use of conditions, yeah. which is kind of surprising for me because it actually looked a pretty good batting wicket, and David Warner hit the first ball off Stuart Broad for four. Um, but then Kawaja was the first to go. Decent delivery from Stuart Broad around the wicket, uh, trapped him in front. Uh, Kawaja reviewed it, but it was absolutely dead. Mm-hmm. And the first wicket went down when the score was 15. Um, yeah, I thought Broad bowled well, but mm-hmm. Warner looked pretty good in those opening stages. Yeah, he did. Well, and I read some comments from him saying um, that in the last test, he'd, he'd received two good balls. He felt pretty confident out in, in the middle and a lot of been made of the the battle between himself and Broad and uh, for, for, I guess, lack of a better term, that he was a bunny for Broad a little bit. And yeah, I thought he looked relatively comfortable um, out there, played some good shots. He certainly doesn't look like someone that is slowing down and someone that is going to be announcing their retirement at the end of the Australian summer. Um he might not be going out and and blazing his way to hundreds like he did earlier on in his his career, but I, I think as an opening batsman, way down from from when you learn the trade as a as a seven eight nine year old playing local park cricket to, to grade to first class to to international cricket, your job is to get the shot off the new ball, is to protect the middle order batsman. Um, I know in the the modern game now it's important for every player to contribute and get runs, but I think even him getting twenty odd and thirty odd and smacking that ball to the boundary, smacking it into the advertising boardings, taking the shine off the ball um, and, and just getting after um, the, the bowlers and trying to knock their confidence a little bit has been helpful. It was a shame to see him get out because he, he just looked like he was getting going, but I still think it was an important innings at the top of the Ottomanners. Yeah, so Kawaja went and then Warner and Labuschagne had a nice little partnership in that first mm-hmm. hour and went to drinks. I think one for 61, at, I think roughly mm-hmm. drinks. And then there was this strange delay where there seemed to be a reflection off a, a metal pole and it took about five or 10 minutes where mm-hmm. they had to fix it up. I, I just don't know why this happens in test yeah. venues. You'd think it'd be sorted out. And then after that break, Warner was out pretty much um, in the, the, the over afterwards. Mm. It seemed like the break, the long break sort of uh, unsettled his rhythm and he was out for 32 off 38 and he was unluckily caught by Johnny Bairstow mm. off Chris Wokes. And, um, you know, again, just a lazy shot. It sort of, a, a de- it actually sort of overpitched delivery from Wokes. Mm. It was probably there to drive and, and Warner just kind of poked at it. He didn't get his foot right to the ball and pretty easy catch for Bearstow. And, you know, that was frustrating because, he, as you say, he looked really in good form. And then Steve Smith came out and first ball pulled one in the air towards fine leg. And I think, oh, no, England are going to get two in the over. But it got over his head and Smith uh, got underway. And, and at lunch, Australia was two for 107. And that, that was a really good platform laid by uh, Marnus and Smith in that first session. As I said, I don't think Anderson bowled that well. Wokes bowled very well right throughout the day, definitely the pick of the bowlers. Wood, handy, but not quite as dangerous and as fast as he was at Headingley. And I guess that's one of the knocks on him that he can't bowl these bowl consistently quick test match mm. after test match. And he didn't look zippy yesterday. No. Uh, and some of that might have been the the pitch. I think Chris Wokes, the fact that he bowls more around that 130 kilometres and over mark, the pitch probably suited the likes of, of him. And Broad's a similar pace. He used to be a bit quicker back at earlier in the early part of his, his career. But, yeah, Wood struggled. Um, and, and I put that down to, to Warner. I think Warner 
hit him for a four early on in his first over. And uh, then Labashane and, and Smith went after him a little bit. Um, and I think even later when Travis Head came in, he, um, yeah, he, he went after him as well and, and uh, clipped a couple of really nice uh, boundaries off him um, in the, in the first few overs when he returned for a second spell. So, and that's the, that's the thing with test cricket. And that's the, I guess what you try and drum home to people that um, are trying to speak of more limited overs cricket, more short form cricket is that, it is the ultimate test of body and mind. We spoke about the, the body of James Ennis and whether that's breaking down, whether that's starting to play a part in, in his career, but it's also the mental battle. Mark Wood has got all the ability in the world. He's, uh, yeah, he, he's ruffled up Australia in Australia um, the, the last time they played us and, and bowled very well, um, especially I think it was in the first innings of, of the last test. But as you mentioned, what hasn't been able to, to, to back it up and that's the consistency that you need and probably one of the hardest things as a um, as a quick as well. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought he was pretty um pretty tame especially in those first couple of spells um and probably gave australia a bit of a leg up because let's not forget that when someone's bowling 145 to 150 k's an hour you just got to get anything on the ball and that's what australia seemed to do and travis head particularly in the middle order was someone that he loves the fast bowling Mm. yeah he loves to go after it he he really relishes that and and he seemed to really take a liking uh, to mark wood especially into that second session manners Absolutely. And after lunch, you know, Smith and Labashane had England at their mercy. Mm. The score was two for 120. They were running well between the wickets. There was a, a missed run out chance. Uh, Stokes, I think there was a, a, a confusion between, I think, Smith and Labashane and Stokes missed it. And um, it, But the thing is, again, you know, Smith and Labashane haven't really dominated this series and Smith was out for 41 or 52 Mm. very unusual for Smith to score it like that normally Mm. he either fails or especially in the first innings when he usually when he gets a start and he gets to 30 or 40 he makes it a big one but he he was out LBW to Wood and I don't know if he was beaten for pace it didn't look like he was beaten for pace Mm. it just looked almost a little bit of a lack of concentration moving Mm. across too far trying to work it onto the leg side missing it and being pretty much plumb in front. So you know, he goes for 41, and that stage the score is three for 120. Then Marnus came, uh, Head came out to join Marnus, and mm. again, looked great. Head was blazing away, scoring to run a ball. They were over-pitching to him. <laughs> he was driving beautifully through the covers, uh, working the ball nicely on the leg stump. Marnus was going slowly. I mean, he ended up with 51 off 115. He was anchoring mm. the innings. And, you know, when Head and Marnus were together, a bit like yeah. Smith and Marnus, you think, okay, this is the big partnership that's going to get Australia, mm. you know, to that sort of 350-400 score. Yeah. And Marnus... Gets to 50 and then just LBW to Moeen, just trying Moeen Alley, trying to turn one on the leg side, missed a straight one, plumb in front, and, uh, you know, disappointing dismissal. Really disappointing, especially for Labashane, who's struggled uh, in this series and struggled for quite some time. I think the, the Michael Atherton in commentary uh, said that it was his it was first half century in uh, 16 or 17 innings. So it's been, I wouldn't say he's been out of form, but he's just found things a little bit more difficult. And that's what happens when you've been in the test arena for a while is that the bowlers and, and, and bowling units and coaches are going to develop plans to get you out. So I thought he fought really hard. Um, he seemed to navigate those tricky deliveries outside the off stump. We've seen him fall um, a few times during this series. Yeah. He, it was like a, it was, uh, it was like there was a, a lack of mental application there. Like he was just a little bit mentally tired. It was kind of a, a shot or a decision 
made that you, you'd normally see from a player that's on 120 or 130 that's been out there for five or six hours and and just switches off momentarily. That Yeah, they, I think even in commentary, they, they said it was a ball that he absolutely should have hit. He should never have missed that, having been out there for, for 115 deliveries. So that was disappointing. And that was just the... I think the common trend last night for the Australians, men, is um, I thought England bowled well, um, bowled in good areas on the pitch, but I feel like there was not necessarily bad shots outside of Heads, one where he, he fell into that trap off broad and hooked the ball straight down deep, fine legs throat and, and got dismissed. I thought a lot of the other dismissals were just lack of mental application, just mm, switching casual. off, which is... Which is surprising because um, even um, he- Labuschagne was out there for some time, but uh, we saw it happen to Carey later in the day. We saw it happen uh, to um, uh, to Head in the middle order. It wasn't like they'd been out there for three or four hours. Most of them had only been out there for between 60 and 120 minutes. So I'm not sure what was going on there. Sometimes you just have days like that where it's it just is hard to focus Ugh. and uh, yeah, yeah, you pay the price for it. But yeah, if, if Australia end up losing this test or, or we find in a couple of days that England have a 120 or a 150 run lead, then we can point back to this first day right. because um, Australia didn't take their advantage when it was presented to them with the bat. No, you're spot on. Um, so, yeah, the Australia went to T. Head was not out uh, with Mitch Marsh. And then Stuart Broad uh, said in the press conference afterwards that they felt they overpitched the head in that middle session and they thought they were going to try and go short to him. And happy days. First over after T, as you said, Head just hooks mm. one down to find like he's out. And again, lovely little 48 of 65 deliveries, but it's, you know, that's not a match winning score. And, no. You know, the way Marsh ended up batting, God, it would have been good to see Head and Marsh together mm. in that last session. Uh, then Cam Green came out and he stuck around with Mitch Marsh. He made a beautiful runner ball 50. Cam Green battled to 16 off 29. He never really looked in good form, but he stuck around. And then he was out LBW to Chris Wokes. And a bit unlucky, he was given out on the field. He reviewed yeah. it and the DRS showed it just to be just clipping or grazing the leg stump. So, you know, mm-hmm. poor Cam Green, when things aren't going for you, yeah. you can don't get those decisions go against you. Yeah, it's a shame because he'd worked hard. Um, I think Cameron Green's still kind of finding his way out in the in the test arena. Um, we've seen him play a couple of, of nice digs. I, I know a couple of summers ago he scored a couple of nice 50s against the Indians, uh, but he's still very young. And I think we, we see batsmen, especially in Australia, really take some time to develop when you look at mm. someone like a Steve War, it was the late twenties, early thirties before he developed. And who knows, we may see in six or seven years time and, uh, and Cameron Green is just a specialist batsman that bats in the middle order, but um, it's been tough for him. He, he got uh, taken apart by Stokes in, in that, uh, that second test where Australia just were able to, to hold on and, and get a victory, miss the last test because of injury. Um, yeah. He would have been disappointed. And I think that's the, that's probably the gripe with the the DRS um, situation is that, and and, and I guess rightfully so in one sense that it does rely very heavily on the decision in the middle. Uh, But if that goes, if that, if that that call goes for Australia, then who knows what Cameron Green can, can do out there. Mm. I I just, I just wanted to make a quick point manners on on Travis head. And I I think the, the difference between him being a good batsman and him being a great batsman is converting those thirties and forties. Like it's all good and well for, 
to entertain the fans um, that are, are sinking a few a few bevies um, at the ground by smacking 10 fours and hitting an exciting 48. But uh, Travis Head, if he really wants to be seen as one of those upper echelon batsmen that um, we talk about when he retires or how great was Travis Head. And I know he has a very healthy average, but I think these are the kind of tests, especially overseas, where to get to 30 or 40 is great, but he needs to be he needs to be moving into well into the 50s and needs to be posting hundreds with those those kinds of scores because um I would, I'm not not going to put the blame on him. No, but you know it's a good point because I mean in the he made a hundred in the World Test Championship mm-hmm. final and then in the the well the first three Ashes Tests he's made a half century in each match hasn't converted to a century he makes 48 here. I mean mm-hmm. you know the, the great batters are remembered for their match winning hundreds in big Ashes Test mm-hmm. matches. So you know um, you, you're dead right. I mean he's had a lot of opportunities, mm-hmm. a lot of starts this series and hasn't quite nailed the the big score that mm-hmm. Australia's actually re- yearned for in this series. They've yearned for a batter you know like Kawaja and Smith did in the first two Tests to get stuck in and make 150 and mm. take the game away from England. And then in the same over, the Greens out, Mitch Marsh, who played beautifully for 51 off 60, edges one. Johnny Bairstow falls over to his right, sticks out a mitt, somehow catches it. It was – Bairstow was as stunned as anyone. Like, I don't even yeah. – yeah. Um, so great catch by Bearstow. Well, bra- a bra- yeah, a broken clocks is 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 right twice a day as well. So <laughs> it was it was it was bound to happen that he was to, to get something like that. I'm sure that I'm sure the English fans were uh, were loving that. It was a it was a great catch, but it was it was also kind of reminiscent of uh, that kid in the the club cricket team that has dropped about 15 catches all year and then eventually <laughs> just takes a takes a screamer and just leaps up and plucks it out of the sky. It was a good catch and 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 a real momentum shifter and a real momentum changer as well um, because yeah, yeah Marsh yeah. looked. He looked an ominous touch again, didn't he? He did, and uh, lovely innings. And, yeah, certainly not um, technically uh, great keeping from from Bairstow, but he got it, snuffled it, can't knock him. And then Kerry and Stark played nicely, actually, in that last hour or so. They put on 39 important runs, got Australia up to 300. But then in the just 10 minutes before stumps, Mm. uh, Kerry was out uh, just leaving a ball, found the inside edge, Bairstow took the catch. He was out for 20. So at Stumps, Stark is 23, not out of 70 delivery. So really mm. digging in there, old Mitchie. Uh, and Cummins, one not out of three deliveries. As I said, Chris Wokes, the pick of the bowlers, four for 52. Marsh and Labashane top scores, each with 51. Um, I guess that's the main talking points from the day. Mm. Um I think I think you have to say that the test match is evenly balanced. And as you say, we'll, we'll really judge Australia's first innings once we see England bat. Yeah, and I think runs on the border are, are a nice um, a, a nice thing for the Australians to, to be sitting at eight for 299. And, gee, we, we haven't really seen the tail wag for the Australians uh, this, um, this series. And we probably haven't seen it happen for quite some time because I think there's been a few more runs in the middle order from the likes of Head, Smith and Labashane that I guess you, you kind of look prior to the 2019 series. How many times did Pat Cummins or Peter Siddle or Mitch Stark kind of get Australia out of trouble? And this is this is a time for them to, to really kind of help out. Um, I thought Mitch Stark was such a mature innings uh, last night and, and he would love to go on. I don't think he gets the dessert. Uh, he do- doesn't get the credit he deserves as a really quality lower order batsman. And I know well, he made um, 10 half centuries 
including a 99, yeah. And um, uh, he, he's made a few as well at first class level. And there's that, mm. that scene where I think Peter Neville declared when he was uh, <laughs> 80 odd not out in a, in a shield game. I don't know if you were commentating and there's footage of Stark yeah. throwing his bat. He still hasn't yeah. got that first class century. Yeah, I th- and it's gonna. Yeah, I- I'm. I'm actually really intrigued to see how the first thirty minutes plays out. I'm intrigued to see what the tactics of the English players are. Um, do they bowl full? Do they do they try and um, get catches behind the wicket to uh, get Cummins and and staff the nick? Because Cummins has been very good with the bat as well. Match winning knock in the in each innings of of the first test. Um, he's someone that can can really dig his heels in. So if they were able to to stick around for, for to get through that tricky first thirty minutes, manners stick around for an hour and add. Even if they only add another twenty five or thirty before losing a wicket, then just to get them up around that three twenty three thirty, pushing towards three fifty, could be a nice psychological edge for the Australians. And Josh Hazlett, he's no slouch with the bat; he can stick around. So, and I think um, as the as the bowlers get a little bit older, men as we saw with Glenn McGrath later on in his career, I think they take a real um, a real honour in sticking around, and it's a it's a real task for them to yeah, it's something they they really want to do to be able to help the side. Um, obviously, they're in the side to take wickets and and. To to bowl quick and and put the pressure mm. on, on the batting side, but I think they take a lot of pride in what they can do with the bat. We've seen Nathan Lyon like that um, in recent seasons as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's evenly poised. I would say England probably just a nose in front at the moment and, and bowled well. Um, but if they don't get it right um, tonight in that first hour, then um, Australia could uh, get an opportunity to try and push up towards three fifty. And I guess the the flip side of that quickly, man, is, is that. Australia lose their two wickets within the first couple of overs and, and find themselves all out for 300. And then uh, the bowlers are going to have to be hitting their spots from ball one to put pressure back on England, who will feel buoyant after uh, the bowling mm. performance, but also the win in that third test. No, you're right. So you've got England just a nose in front. I'm mm. still sticking with a, even. Marnus Labuschagne said after play that, you know, if you look at the stats, if, if the team that scores over 300 in their first innings in England has a pretty good win rate. So I think it's mm. good that Australia have got into that, you know, 300 area. And I think it'll mm. put pressure on England batters. And Stuart Broad said, and no surprises, that England's tactic will be obviously to try and get a lead for, over Australia. They probably mm. will need to bat twice England, um, but get a lead and then, you know, if, if England loses time on the weekend, just try and chase something down in the fourth innings, even if, you know, they go baseball crazy and they've got 30 mm. or 40 overs. But we'll see. You know, I think it's really difficult and very dangerous when you start trying to play to the weather because yeah. weather is so fickle, you know. you can The, the weathermen, they get – honestly, I get panned for my cricket predictions. The, the weather <laughs> predictions are way worse. And – you know, you could have a situation where you think it's going to rain on the weekend where you only lose an hour here or there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've you played your whole test match one way and it costs you. So that's the danger for both teams. Uh, uh, yeah. What's the what's the weather predictions for the uh, for the rest of the test matters? Because I've seen... Well, they're saying four, four and five, that's where it's looking dodgy. So that's why England will try and play the game quickly because they mm-hmm. obviously need a win to keep the Ashes alive. Um yeah, so it's interesting. I think, you know, both both teams have, you know, these mind games to play. I think Australia wants to keep their – not get too focused with a draw. They've got to just play for the win. And if, if a draw comes up, that's fine. And yeah. England, the other hand, they don't want to get too ahead of themselves and think, all right, let's go out there and fucking belt the ball all over the place and they get mm. bowled out for 150 and the Ashes are gone, which 
absolutely absolutely would be fantastic from this podcast <laughs> point of view anyway that's it for our day one wrap we've gone long jack where can the listeners find you on on twitter uh yeah they can find us on all our social media channels uh twitter facebook and instagram the red v podcast and also if you want to uh, tune in the uh, dragons actually playing tonight it's uh the second last place dragons against the bottom place tigers that's being and renamed the spoon bowl um yeah you can uh, listen to us on spotify apple podcasts and uh, other good podcast platforms at uh, the red v podcast terrific so there's some a lot of competition for eyeballs tonight the matildas kick off their <laughs> Women's World Cup campaign. There's mm. the Ashes. I don't think Spoon Bowl will be competing no, too much with no. uh, the that's general publics. Be, no, that's not going to be high on the priority list unless you you kind of live south of Waterfall and uh, down the yeah, south coast yeah. or up in the, the St George region. I think, uh, yeah, I'll have one eye on the cricket, one eye on the Dragons, and uh, it might be two eyes on the cricket if the Dragons are, are getting thumped at halftime. All right, listeners. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, Jack and I will be wrapping, wrapping up day two. And then uh, actually Paul Dennett's coming back for day three. So something to look forward to for the listeners. But uh, thanks again, and we'll be back soon. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.